future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. We're so happy to have you with us today. And uh, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube so you don't miss any of the episodes of the amazing women that we have on every week. And, of course, follow us on uh, My360Karma on Twitter and 360Karma on Facebook and Instagram. Hopefully they don't add any more (laughs) social media or we might be here all day. Um, Anyway, so uh, as you know, we always have incredible women every week. And today we have Mumsy Nemiroff. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And uh, I'm sure she'll tell me if I didn't. And uh, she is just an incredible lady who's still rocking it in her 80s. She's such an inspiration to us all. Looking forward to talking to her. Please give a warm welcome to Mumsy. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thank you for the nice introduction. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I don't know how you do all you do. Uh, you are such an inspiration to me and everyone I know that's listening. Um, you're in your 80s. Yes. You look I was fabulous. 83 two weeks ago. Oh, my God, two weeks ago. Yes. That's fantastic. And I celebrated it in London. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you said London because that takes us back to your roots. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Those really are my roots. Right. So I know your grandmother was a real trailblazing woman for yes, her she time. Was. She owned a restaurant in London, right? Yes, around 1900. Wow. In London. Isn't that something? Yes. Yeah, it must have been so unusual for a woman to own a business. Oh, I'm sure that it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and her her husband, my grandfather, uh-huh. um, the family always referred to him as the one with the wanderlust. So he was always out yeah. uh, exploring new places that maybe life would be better because she worked very hard in yeah. her restaurant. Yeah. And my father and his brothers were all born in London, and oh. they were the busboys in the restaurant oh when they got gosh. old enough. Wow. So in pursuit of something better, they ended up coming here to America. Yes. Um, but even that in itself was an interesting story. She yes. sold the restaurant picked up the family to come here only to be turned away at Ellis Island, right? Correct, correct. My father had an ear infection, Mm -hmm. and they were immigrants. They hardly spoke uh, the kind of English that was required to explain about an ear infection. But rather than return to London, she made her way to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. And waited and waited until she could arrange passage on a boat that went down the St. Lawrence Seaway to Chicago, where she settled. And my grandfather eventually joined her there. That's and brilliant. What I mean, she was determined, huh? She not only was determined, but when yeah. she got to Chicago, she opened a nightclub. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was called the Blue Inn. Oh, my gosh. And so many of the early 20th century entertainers, Paul Muni, um, uh, ben Lessie and all old time vaudevillians yeah. oh would gosh, frequent cool. her nightclub. That is so interesting. Yes. And so um, 
then your so your father uh, your father grew up in Chicago, and that's where your parents met. Yes, yeah. my parents met on Memorial Day weekend. Uh huh. You told me a cute story. Yes. Yeah. My mother and her best girlfriend were standing at the bus stop with golf clubs. They were on their way to play golf. Right. And my father and his boyfriend, uh, oh, they were students together, yeah. drove by in an open convertible and said, hey, girls, want a ride? <laughs> and shockingly, for that time, my mother and her girlfriend got into the car. Yeah. And they all played golf together. And that was it. My father was smitten with this cute little golfing girl. Yeah. And then, so they got married. And how many years were they married? They were married 64 years. Wow. And when my father uh, began to decline in health, he had had a stroke, mm -hmm. uh, the social worker at the facility mm -hmm. Uh, asked me to come in for a private talk and said, I know you're very close with your parents. I'm an only child. Right, right. And when one goes, you must understand that the other will very quickly go. And I said, I'm fully prepared for that. They've had a wonderful life and a great love affair. Mm -hmm. However, my father passed away, and my mother had two subsequent husbands and died oh at 99. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's a great story. Yeah, women are much more resilient. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Will yeah. Women say what is, is. Now I put one foot in front of the other and go out there. Yeah. Well, good for her. So you come from a strong lineage of women. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. And so that would explain your incredible life. Uh, you're, I know backing up to you meeting your first husband out here in L.A., right? Yes. Um, your first husband uh, turned out to be gay. Yes. Right? So that kind of... Explains that all in the nutshell pretty quickly. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to husband number two, who ends up being the love of your life. He was your your son's little, uh, league, little coach. league coach. And right. I was the team mother. Yeah. We were really... And you two scandalously met before while well, you were still married, right? Oh, we were both married <laughs> to two different people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, seeing each other at Little League games. Yeah. And, of course, we thought nobody knew. But the truth yeah. was... Everybody knew. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so it, it obviously worked out. You've yes. been together 38 years. No longer. Right? We've been married. Oh. We've been legal for 38 the, years. Right. But known but each other. But there like has 50. been, yeah. yes, a lot of panky preceding that, <laughs> that marriage. Right, right. Well, it worked out. Yes. Yeah. And so tell me how you got into... Um, uh, traveling since 1974 every year over to the continent of Africa yes. and what work you're doing there. And, uh, you know, you've told me about interesting things that, um, when I say interesting, um, things that are not happening not for the good over there uh, with regard to the extinction of uh, certain species Wildlife. as well as uh, human beings Absolutely. being uh, displaced from their villages. Let's yes. talk about that. I was in Ethiopia mm -hmm. in um, late October and November, and uh, I had visited Ethiopia before, and it's a very, very rich culture. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it goes back thousands of years mm -hmm. to the Queen of Sheba, actually, right. and King Solomon. Right. And speaking of this, okay, you were just in Ethiopia, but what was the... 
why did you start going to Africa in the first place in 1974? Let's start with that, and then Everybody we'll work up to today. Me that because yeah. I'm such an Africa addict yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I w had gone back to school when I separated from my first husband, mm -hmm. and my second husband was extremely supportive of whatever I wanted to do, and I would be writing my thesis, and he'd be off at Mammoth skiing with my my son. Yeah. I mean, it was wonderful how we were able to do that. So there was a class. Uh, it was on, on the graduate level at UCLA, and it was called Advanced Studies in African Culture. Mm -hmm. And I knew nothing about that, but it but was... But you've always been an art historian and lectured about that, but this was your first entree into African into art. Into Africa. And you just really took to it. Well, yeah. the timing of that class for a year coincided yeah. with what time, as a mom, I would have to be home. Yes. And uh, gave me the latitude. So I signed up for it. Right. And I was, a world opened up to me. Yeah. A, a, a world of reality yeah. that I wanted to explore. Yeah. And so that led me to talking a few girlfriends into joining me. And we went on my first trip. I was the leader of the group. Of and course you were. never had been there before. <laughs> we went to nine countries across mm -hmm. West Africa. And you told me some of these you couldn't go to today. Many of them. Like Ghana, Nigeria. Well, right? you have to be very careful where you go, right. especially in West Africa. And it wasn't as dangerous then? No, yeah. no. People yeah. were not so divisive. There mm -hmm. was no... Boko Haram or El Shabaab or ISIS to deal with. Right. We saw people of different faiths, people who followed a different path. Mm -hmm. Naturally, we were always called the European ladies. Mm -hmm. And people were very curious about us at that time. And I saw an Africa that I had only read about. Wow. The rituals, the dances, the the color, yeah, the singing and dancing, the and, music of Africa. And I've heard it's such a happy culture, happy, happy people. Yes, yeah. well, it's not one culture. Right. Two two villages can live across the river from one another, speak different dialects, and have completely different rituals. Wow, interesting. I'll give you an example of that in Nigeria. There are uh, a great many multiple births. Mm -hmm. There's outside of the normal uh, mm -hmm. multiple births, these occur much more frequently. On one side of the river, twins are coveted and treated in a very special way. On the other side of the river, they are considered cursed and are drowned. Oh my gosh, wow. So that can tell you. Dialects different, mm -hmm. uh, rituals are differ, and music and art, mm -hmm. which is pervasive throughout tribal West Africa, uh, it varies, and it's it's. I never stop learning. Whenever mm -hmm. I go to Africa, I learn something more. So you were just fascinated with it, yes, and you wanted to take other people there to show them. 
what you were experiencing. Yes, I've do been. Think, do you think maybe uh, you lived there in a different life because you have such an affinity for it? I'm convinced. Yeah, of that. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe in those type of things. If we feel such a draw to something, I yes. think there's something in our past. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my trip to Ethiopia this last fall mm -hmm. was very sad for me to see what's happening because right. one lands on a jet plane in Addis Ababa, the capital, and there are building cranes and traffic jams mm. and people rushing about at internet cafes and lovely hotels now. We flew into the southern Omo Valley where there is forced relocation of the tribal peoples taking place. Right. And you've told me this like China and uh, like Turkey and places like that are yes. coming in and pushing the villages out in order to lease the land for things like tobacco and Yes, their land yeah. on which they have lived for thousands of years, the uh, birthplace, the cradle mm -hmm. of civilization as we know it. Man first stood upright in right. the Rift Valley there. Right, wow. And now I am told by the people that their cattle, cattle is their only industry today, raising, mm -hmm. trading, and selling cattle. Mm -hmm. The cattle are skin and bones, and the cattle are dying. And now this is because they've been moved to an area that does not sustain their crops or their Correct. cattle. Correct. So it's like, how do they survive? Barely. And at the same time, you said uh, that they're building dams that's diverting their water, too. Yes. So I think a lot of people, and I'm so glad we're talking about this, because most Americans have no idea that this is going on. I'm so happy that you're having this conversation and bringing this information back. It's... Uh I think quite parallel to what occurred in our country in the 19th century. With the Indians. Yes. Forced mm -hmm. relocation of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're put into very arid, desolate places, land that no one wants. Right. Like for here it was the desert. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Up on these plateaus, mm -hmm. barren, barren right. stretches of land. And uh, I saw the children with distended stomachs, and the elders said to me, uh, you know, our cattle are dying, our children are hungry, the crops won't grow, and one or two of the tribal communities have tried to return, mm -hmm. and I visited them, and they're walking around with the brave young men carrying arms now, trying to maintain a life in their former community on a small vestige of what was their land. Right. And the plantations that I see, palm oil, sorghum, tobacco, cotton, mm -hmm. uh, they're vast plantations, and they are taking the water. Now, a fourth dam has been built on the extreme southern edge of Ethiopia as the Omo River water goes into Kenya. Now, when that dam is opened, two-thirds of the water from Lake Turkana in Kenya will be removed and siphoned off for these big plantations. So you must feel so frustrated as to what could be done to save these tribes and these people. Is there a solution? There is no solution. 
there is no solution other than the eventual diminishing of these tribes and the integration of them as dishwashers, entry-level jobs. So the, these tribes are becoming extinct? Yes. And then the other thing of your concern, of course, is the animals there yes. that are becoming extinct. Yes. And I know on your last trip, you were involved with that in the capacity of the rhinos. Yes. Right? Yes. And and tell me about your involvement with that. Like you were telling me that you all put chips in the yes. horns. And tell me about that. It was one of the neatest things I've ever done. We were trained by uh, a vet mm -hmm. and his team. Mm -hmm. And there was a sharpshooter and a pilot in a helicopter. Mm -hmm. We followed the helicopter in an open vehicle. They were looking for rhino out in the East Transvaal of South Africa, mm -hmm. which is a vast open savanna with a lot of poaching. Mm -hmm. When they found, uh, the first ones that they found were a mother and baby grazing. Mm -hmm. And so we followed them and then drove up to within an, a place that we could walk safely. Mm -hmm. The sharpshooter darts them from the air and we have only 20 minutes at the most to work with them. Wow. As they go And you're doing this now. Yes. At your age. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you just amazed me. I would, <laughs> well, yeah. I so, mean, so wait, so they dart them and you yes, and your and posse go yes. over to the rhino. We go over and they are now down on the ground nighty night, we yeah. hope. Yeah. And uh, a group of us have been trained to work at the front end and some at the back end. I have done both. Mm -hmm. uh, on the back end. I don't want details on that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, Mumsy. <laughs> uh, I was trained to give antibiotic shots right. and um, a multivitamin right. into the skin that is like the toughest leather sofa. Wow. Putting a big, thick needle through. Wow, wow. You are so gutsy. Yeah. Well, no. Then yeah. on the front end, yeah. we uh, put an, a hole in the ear and tag the rhino to right. show that it has been registered. Right. And then we put a computer chip into the horn. Now, you know, rhino horn is made of the same material as our fingernails. Wow. So it's not an ivory horn like an elephant would oh, have. right. So it's not difficult to insert a chip. Right. It doesn't protect the rhino from being poached. Right. But once that chip is removed from the rhino, it starts beeping. It emits a signal, and that person will be picked up who is in possession of the rhino. Horn. I heard some of these things go for like a million dollars. Yes, yes. So what you told me was that often... They find these horns that have the chip in them in diplomat suitcases. That's true. Now how that's, sad is that? That's the most yeah. common way wow. that these treasures, treasures mm -hmm. for certain people, mm -hmm. leave the country. Right. So wow. it's, it's a very desperate situation. It sure is. And yeah. the, it's, you know, there used to be 45,000 cheetah uh -huh. on the African continent. Today there are between four and five thousand cheetah. Oh my gosh! Well, oh my gosh! This is so sad. And um, for those people out there listening that care, um, is there some way they could get involved with 
your travel or are there I guess there's different excursions out there that people could become a part of being a part of helping with this extinction Absolutely. problem yes yeah actually I'm going back uh, the end of November of this year 2018 and I will be visiting a new group of lowland gorillas in the country of Congo Oh my gosh. Um, no, it's safe. It's yeah. not. Uh, the old Zaire is now called the Democratic Con uh, Republic of Congo. Uh -huh. It's not that country. Yeah. It's a country along the Congo River called Congo. Okay. And uh, they are newly habituated for mm. human contact, yeah. which is the life saving measure for oh. these animals. Really? Yes. The country of Rwanda, for instance, was the first to offer permits to tourists. Uh -huh. And a permit in today's world to see one hour of gorillas in Rwanda is $1,500. Oh, my gosh. So they... So they make it into a business. And yeah. they are saving their own lives and the lives of their descendants right. by welcoming tourists for one hour. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so... This is an incredible thing that you're doing. Uh, certainly, I could probably count on one hand the, the number of women in their 80s that are traveling <laughs> to Africa. There might, there might only be you. I have a feeling. Uh, but that's great that you're taking people over there and educating people about what's happening. Uh, to back up just a little bit, I know, first of all, I would imagine our guests want to know where you got the name Mumsy. And uh, I think that's an interesting story. You're, you, I know your family was really in the um, horse racing business, yes. and that was the name of one of the horses, right? No. Oh, I, I thought that I, was it. No, oh. I named the horse. Oh, you named the horse. My father's farm okay. was unpronounceable to me oh. as a, to a toddler. Uh, it was the El Dorado Farm. Okay. And uh, I saw a, a baby born, yeah. a little filly, and I crawled under the webbing into the stall when she was lying there. And I said, you're my mumsy, my sweet mumsy. And so I've got that name ever since. It's a long time ago. Oh, okay. So the horse was actually named by you, and then you were called mumsy from then exactly. on. Exactly. Gotcha. So yes. what's your real name? Maxine. Oh. But that's only my passport and my driver's license. Oh, so nobody knows that. <laughs> nobody knows. No, well, except for the whole world now. Know it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and your family was in horse racing, so you kind of grew up in horse racing, which was very interesting, right? I grew up on yeah. the racetrack. Right, and, and we won't got mention to travel. the mafia connection. No, no, no. <laughs> but I... <laughs> also became an equestrian, an right. accomplished equestrian, and uh, I've only recently given away my saddle, my boots, my oh helmet. Oh my gosh, in good the for you. Because at my age, yeah. I had to come face to face yeah. with uh, the realism of my age. I actually did have a great aunt who rode horses till she was 89, so I apparently have some good healthy stock, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, as far as horse racing goes, um, the very first time I went, I was, I don't know, how old do you have to be, 18, I guess? No, I, I was a little kid. I oh, was, oh, so I went, I mean, betting. I, w I went to bet. I used to bet. Yeah, oh, you did? Perhaps the law has changed. So the very first time I went to horse racing, I put $2 down. On a horse, I because I liked the number. It was like number twelve, not knowing it was forty to one. It was the long shot. 
and it won. And I was I was hooked after that. I'm like, what? I put down two dollars. I got back eighty dollars. I like this horse racing, but that that must have been a fun culture to grow up in. It really was. Yeah, exciting. You it, traveled all over, and the, the, your horses ran uh, in some of the ones here, Del Mar, and yes, yes. Uh, 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 Golden Gate, Tan Ferran, Santa Anita, and Hollywood Park. Yeah, how cool. And um, no wonder you grew up being an animal lover. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And then let's also, uh, as we're wrapping up, not forget to mention that uh, as a result of taking that class on African art, you ended up teaching this uh, for 18 years at UCLA. I didn't teach African art, but. I uh, was so art histor art I, history. I was I yeah. taught art history at UCLA Beautiful. for eighteen years. Oh my gosh. And um, great school, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But if any of your followers would like to um, hear about the trips that I do or how they can get involved in African wildlife conservation, I would be pleased to speak with them. And uh, you have my email. Uh, can why you? Why don't you give that to it's them? It's Mumsy Art, M U M S E Y A R T, at AOL.com. And can and they find you on Facebook too? Right? Yes, I'm on Facebook as Wonderful. well. And I'm very anxious to broaden the, the scope of my knowledge, what I know, what I've found out. And perhaps somebody out there has some solutions that. We haven't thought Wouldn't of that before. Be great? That, that would be, be great? wonderful. I know I have a friend have a has a uh, film coming out about uh, how to preserve the elephants, and then uh, I just had a couple friends just get back from Africa. So I I, I do have friends uh, that are doing things on that continent. Uh, also, um, uh, my sister in law does M to M, which is helping eradicate AIDS over there in children born to mothers of AIDS. So a lot of good work from Americans happening over there. And, and what I love about what you're doing is a really unique uh, travel opportunity to to learn about the continent. I think in a different way than obviously just you know vacationing there. So right, so right. bravo for what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, shedding light on it, uh, opening people's eyes, and giving them the uh, amazing experience of going there. And uh, just thank you for sharing your amazing story. Thank you for uh, inviting me to share. You bet. All right. Well, be sure to tune in next week. We'll have another great guest. And be sure to look up Mumsy Naranoff on uh, Facebook um, or give her uh, a shoot shout out on the email. You can replay this and get her email. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make it a great week. Hugs and happiness.